0: Okay everyone, welcome back to What's Your Mess with Tracy D. Armstrong and today we have another special guest coming to share what their mess was in their lives. We have misunderstood Adrian. Tell
1: everybody a little bit about yourself Adrian. Well I will say that I grew up as they would say privileged and then um, I guess always pushed the system. I was always one that wanted to bump heads with okay, but we should do this, but why? Okay, we should do it like this, but why? Okay, we should do it like this, but why? So I ended up in my but why for a very long time. And I had to realize all of the but whys was because it's better this way, because it's easier this way, because it won't be so hard this way, you know? So who am I? I? I am all of those things. But I can rest on the fact that I am a Proverbs 22 and 6 child. Raise up a child in the way that they should go. Mm-hmm. That way, when they do go far, they will not depart from. And now I am back with everything that I've learned from out there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: dedicated to give it all back so that we can honor our creator, so that we can honor the one who made us. Oh, awesome. I'm in the hole. Like, if you put it, me in
0: <laughs> awesome
1: an what do you say like i'm an author i'm I'm a ceo but there's a lot of you know today i'm sitting in a place where i can say i'm all of these things but who am i i'm just a child of god trying to trying to be some light in some darkness mm. that's who i am and so that's what you just said you said that's where you
0: are now that's where you are today but I know that you haven't always been at that point right now where you are today, the author, the CEO, the the child of, you've always been the child of God, of course. However, I know that there's some mess that has gone on in your life that has caused mental, emotional, and social status of life not to be the best that it is or the best that it could be. So could you tell the listeners a little bit about What's your mess?
1: Mm, what's my mess? Where can I begin? Yeah. Let's say at one time I divvied in the exotic entertainment industry. We'll, we'll put it that way because mm-hmm. I was checked a while ago when I first started coming out with my story. So my I was a stripper, and then the girl was like, "Ah, we don't be stripping. We are exotic entertainment." So I said, "You know what?" I'm going to take that because that's right. It is a craft. It's a skill. And it's more than just taking your clothes off. So I divvied in the exotic entertainment industry. I was actually really good. I actually enjoyed it. But God actually told me, no, they will know you, but not like that. Mm. There's more for you in your life. And I need from... I need them to see the more of you in your life in here, in this exotic entertainment world, they won't see it the way that I intended it. So I, I basically, I mean, I got sick. I call, that, I call that my reprimand from God, but me getting sick was what stopped everything. I, I, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis which then, you know, completely gave me a whole 360 life change. You know, I went from wearing stilettos to walking with a walker, you know what I mean? So it was, yeah, it was, it was life altering, but then it was like, well, what are you going to do? You're not dead. And God said that they would know you. So that means that there's got to be more than this right here. That's that's one of my big ones. And then another, I would just say I just always like to bump my head. I bump my head a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I fell in love with I fell in love with the wrong guy, put it that mm-hmm. way, for a long time, which gave me a lot of mess because mm. half the time I was lying to myself about, you know, not wanting to cry about this, trying to make this relationship look so great. But really, I was crying on the inside. And you know when you when you're not right on the inside, you have a hard time showing up in places where you're supposed to be, you know. And and that was, I want to say that's that's what molded me to become the person that I am today. All of those, you know, almost theirs and bump your heads because of, you know, or that self-sabotager that just tells us we shouldn't be in this room right now. Like mm-hmm. back out because this is not where we're supposed to be like so those those were the things that I used to be like that's who I that's who I was
0: okay so you just unpacked
1: several messes right there
0: so I want to go back okay I want to go back I want to go back to the you were in the exotic entertainment industry and you got sick And so, therefore, you were not able to do what you had been doing. So, let's start there. How did that affect you mentally when you found out or when you got sick?
1: Well, first and foremost, I didn't even know what multiple sclerosis was, okay? Let's be all the way honest. I was trying to figure out what they were talking about. I just knew that something in my body wasn't right. You know, how, well, I'm the, you know, i I'm a '77 baby, so you know we used to make fun of the kid that was a little bit, you know, like little head, little head, big shoulders. You yeah. know, like, I'm '78. I'm '78, right there with so you. Me, okay, so you understand <laughs> the little short bus kids and all that, like th- things that people used to say. Don't laugh at that because you're gonna have kids and they're gonna end up like that. You know that kind of stuff. So when I start having my moment where I was like, I, 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 I'm like, oh. No, something's wrong. Like, did you see that? Oh, okay. Something's wrong. I'm going to the doctor. So as I continued to go to the doctor, because I knew something was wrong with me, because I had no, you know what I mean, scratch my shoulder, lick my eyeball type thing. I never had that. But that's what I was getting. That's how I realized something was wrong. So I basically camped out in the doctor's office, emergency rooms, everywhere, because I was trying to figure out something's wrong with me, y'all. Like, everyone's like, oh, you're fine. You're just so funny. And no, I'm not fine. I might be, but there's a moment. Like, no, there's a moment. We got to figure it out. So when I finally went to the doctor and had one of those episodes in front of them, they all panicked. Everybody was in a rush. Everybody was like, oh, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So the whole, my whole life was changed in that one moment. Because one, I didn't know what was wrong with me. Two, all I know is that everyone medically, like the people that were like nurses, doctors, when they heard that I had multiple sclerosis, they were so apologetic. Like, I'm so sorry. And I used to be like, what? Like, what are they so sorry about? So I really had to hone in on what is this disease? What What are they saying? Because it was affecting me, but it wasn't affecting me the way that they kept apologizing for me. Like they were so apolog. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's nothing that they could do. And I'm thinking, well, damn, y'all make it seem like I'm about to die or something. You know, and and but when I realized that it was a de- it was a debilitating disease. That when they look at it, they don't think better. But when they look at it, they don't think cure. When they look at it, they think, how can we make you as comfortable as you want to be? Because this is all you got. You're not going to get any better. This is it. And that was, I, that was mentally too much. It was it was just mentally too much for me because I was like a social butterfly. I was everywhere. I, I wanted to be everywhere. I was like bubble, bubble, bubble. You know, you, you blow, I'm bubble. And it was all taken away, like it was taken away. Like I I, I had to learn how to laugh again.
0: Wow. I
1: had to learn how to live again because it was like a constant pain. But I think that the worst part of it really was not being able to just, not being able to be the person that I thought that I was supposed to be. You know, how you mm. make things mm-hmm. line up and you're like, okay, I'm going to be this person. I'm this. I'm socially. I'm going out to this party. I'm going here. I'm going here. None of that happened. None of that happened. Mentally, I just wasn't. I wasn't prepared for any of that to happen, but it, that's exactly what it was. And that was mentally, I would say, and then I guess even if you wanted to throw the emotion into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go
1: ahead. Emotionally, emotionally I was spent I I always use the the analogy of a butterfly and how you see a butterfly and we see the butterfly flutter flutter and it might go up and down but then it might go around it might just disappear for a little bit and then you'll see it again and it was like I was a butterfly but I was tied to a rock so it wasn't like I was glued to the rock glued to the rock would mean that I wouldn't be able to move at all but being tied to the rock is like you begin to fly and then you get snatched back down you begin to flutter and then you get snatched back down that's what it did for me. That's wow, what it that did for me. is a great
0: analogy go, go ahead sorry
1: that well that was like that was my analogy because people used to always ask me after you get diagnosed It's like one thing to have the diagnosis But then it's another thing to have to carry the diagnosis. Because like I said, the people that knew medically what it was that I was dealing with, they brought so much demise to me. It was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I I remember going home and asked my mom like, mom, why do they keep saying they sorry like that? You know what I mean? Like, there's something like my doctor, bless God for Dr. Burke. Because Dr. Burke told me, don't read WebMD. Do not go Google this disease. That's what he told me. Don't Google this disease. Because once you Google it, you'll literally be lost. Because you're going to hear everything. And that's what multiple sclerosis is all about. It affects everyone differently. So how it affects me, it might not affect your aunt that you, ha- that you know that has it. You know, or the girlfriend that you used to have. Like so, everyone is different. So as we sit and we talk about it, if I was to listen to everything that everybody was saying, I would be completely lost. So I bless God because He said, "Don't do it." But it was like everybody that would come to me and they, "I'm so sorry. I'm so this." I'm, so, I'm like, what is wrong? Like why? Like so, I did. I started to, I started to want to know what is going on with my body, like and then when i realize it's a it's a miscommunication between my brain and my body you know that's when i realized oh no wonder this is like a circling effect so the day that my body feels like we are good my brain is going to attack it because we're not supposed to be good and vice versa you know so the day that i say i want to walk this mile because i want to stand in unity with you know people that are marching for Alzheimer's or cancer or whatever and my body says that we're not moving our we're we're not picking up our right leg today I'm not walking you know so it's different so emotionally it really became uh, okay I want to rock out with y'all but I can't even rock out with y'all because you know I don't move the same way y'all move. Like you might get in the car and be ready to roll. Like you got heels on the back, like but in your back, it says a new pair of shoes can change your life. Mm. And I'm looking at the shoes thinking, yeah, they would change my whole life drastically because I used to be able to walk in them shoes. Now I need a, now I need a damn pair of sneakers. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean?
0: And so, And that's what I was going to say. That had to affect you socially because that kind of just ties right into the next point. So socially, like you say, if your brain was miscommunicating with your body, tell her how did that affect you socially, like your people, your surroundings?
1: Well, (laughs) it's funny because most of my friends that I had before I got sick, I realized that they really weren't friends of mine. And it like, like I, it it was real. It was enlightening to me because you know, to go out every day with people, to be so needed everywhere, to pull up on this person and pull up on this person and pull up on this person, and we have good times everywhere we go. To be in the hospital for like two and a half weeks and not near one person show up. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What just happened? All of this life that I thought that I had, all of this living, all of these people, we was having so much good times, we was making money. I got sick and they all disappeared. And it was like, I think the only people that I really had in my circle were my family. And that's the weirdest thing, because you think that out of all the people in your family, you think that, okay, like your family is your family. yeah. That's just your family, you know. They ain't your family, but your friends, they your friends, you know. You rock out with your friends. When I realized that I had no friends and the only people that was coming to sit with me and hang with me was my family, it was it was major, okay? It was, it was major. And, I mean, it, it was so major that because of all of the different life changes that I was going through, it got me closer into the word. you know what I mean? Like i I started reading the word more. So as I'm reading the word more, now I'm realizing, okay, I don't have anything to do with them anyway. You know what I mean? like they 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 on a whole different vibe than I'm on, because I'm thanking God that I'm alive. And like today, I can move my hands. I can move my legs. You know what I'm saying? I can move around. I might even give you a little dance or something. I might not be able to dance all night like I used to, but I can at least go out there and give you a dance. So to even have all of that happening, and I look back at the friends, like of my circle, Mm -hmm. that that circle is non-existent. Right. You know, I I I might have one or two people that call me out of the blue. Like damn girl, I was just checking on you, you know what I mean, seeing how it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I can say that the one thing that I I know that for a while, for I think that was one of the hardest things. Because you think like socially you've made it. You know, you the people that are around, the people that surround you are the people that make you who you are. Right. But when I realized that they weren't real, I then <laughs> had to start questioning, who am I? Am I real? You know, and it was like, but they used to all like I've ha- I've had friends still to this day tell me that I was so strong. I was so you know I was always the person that they came to for the help. I was always the person that they came to to talk them off the edge. You know, so mm-hmm. for me to end up being that person that was sick, they didn't yeah. know how to handle it. They they didn't know how to handle it so i have a lot of friends that felt bad for falling off but they didn't know how to come to me because you know we used to jump in the car now i got to walk it like you know what i'm saying like we used to, no, uh, used to push your the whips they're like uh how are we going to get you in the two seater um okay um all right maybe maybe we'll see you when we get back you know what i mean and i'm like dang you know. You know what I mean? I I I don't want to take my walker to the party because one, I gotta fold my walker up, put it in the trunk. When we get there, everybody wanna jump out the car. We can't jump out the car because now we gotta pull up at the front, open the trunk, get my walker out, put me on the curb, waiting for you. Now you know we was. I told you I was an exotic entertainer. So just imagine the exotic, the exotic entertainers coming to do the show. And I get out like a whole paraplegic. Like, what is she about to do? <laughs> like, what kind of party is this? So needless to say, things change. Men, they change. Things change a lot. You know, and then, you know, I even boyfriends, like me getting closer to God like broke up my relationship. Like I'll never forget the day that he dropped me off at the church. He just went to the he went to the parking lot, and he was like, "I'm gonna just leave you here because you probably have a better chance. You know what I'm saying? You have a better chance in life here than you would with me. It hurt my heart, mm-hmm. but I realized that one thing I do know is that the the devil is real hmm. and the devil used to be an angel so the one thing the devil does know not to do is to mess with god's children
2: mm-hmm. got me
1: so as i was lying and trying to stick into keep this relationship alive he was like yo bro i'm not playing with god i'm gonna leave you in this church where you just where you belong and we will figure this out another way, but we ain't gonna do it together. Cause I can see right now where I'm going is this way and where you going is that way. And that was mm-hmm. a choice. I hated it. I hated that choice. But he made it. And I'll never mm-hmm. forget. It. He took me to the he took me to the parking lot of the church and said, I'm gonna leave you here. You'll be better off here than with me.
0: So that right there, so I don't even have to ask that because that right there, I know, affected your status of living. Like you saying that from going from an exotic entertainer, having all these friends, I'm listening and I'm feeling every word you're saying, getting sick, now your friends are falling off, your relationships are not hanging in there emotionally torn, mentally not understanding what the heck is happening. And you just said he dropped you off at the church. Now, we're going to go into how to, how you cleaned up your mess, but I think you kind of getting there anyways, because how I'm trying to picture this. If you got the relationship you were in, the dude dropped you off at the church and said you would do better at the church that you would with me did that was that a pivotal moment that kind of started to clean up the mess that you was going through at that moment or
1: talk tell everybody what happened from there I don't know if I cleaned it up but I definitely know it it, I definitely know it was a big punch in the mouth okay okay it was the biggest punch in the mouth of all because I was lying I had this idea of all these things that I thought that I was. You know, it was everything that I, you know, the drug dealer, the 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 you know, the drug dealer boyfriend, get what you want. You live the flat, you know, flashy high life and all that. But it wasn't me. So what hurt the most was the reality set in. Mm. And like I said just like with my friends. When all that other stuff falls apart, the only thing you have left is your family. The only people that check on you are your cousins. You know what I mean? Like they're the people that you originally started with. Like they are your lineage, they are your line. And it was hard for me because I tried to do everything outside of my family. Like I didn't need to do what my family did because I did this. But when I realized that all of this was not even real, it was like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So of course I resorted back to what I knew and that was God. It was It was always a constant in my life. I always sang somewhere. So, you know, I sang at funerals and all that kind of stuff. So no matter how far, I would go left, I was still I was still anchored, you know what I mean? So thank God for an anchor, because when I could have been completely lost, I never was able to get lost. I might be caught drifting, you know, but because my anchor was still held, I couldn't go far. I couldn't go away. I couldn't get lost.
0: That anchor kept pulling you back.
1: I'm telling you, I thank God for my anchor. Mm. Because I, as it got as it got harder out there, it was easier to come back because it was like you're out here fighting. And you don't need to fight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like quicksand. You know, when people are in quicksand, you think, okay, I'm a str- I'm gonna fight to get out of here. But really, what you do when you are moving in quicksand. Is you sink faster. Yeah. You know? And so it's like you don't realize it because you're really trying to get out of it. And then when I realized I'm trying to do so much, I'm trying to do so much, and God is sitting here the whole time just waiting on me. Like I'm just waiting on you to look up. Like, like you are down here, you find you figured it out. You got all this down in the valley. You you, you you know worked it out you know a friend you know a man and know a man you know you know you got the whole hookup in the valley but all i need you to do is look up and god was right there waiting on me. i mean like talking about you know how we say we waiting on god i'm waiting on god oh child i'm waiting on god god <laughs> was literally like honey i ain't waiting on you mm. you know just just a thought just the thought to say, I don't belong here. You, you know, it's like I tell people all the time sometimes you have to have your pig pen moment. Mm. You have to, you know, like, you know, especially if you, like I said in the very beginning, I was very privileged in, in the world's eyes of what privilege looked like. I would have been privileged, you know. So for me to even struggle, don't sound right. It's not in the same, you know, it's not in the same vibe. My parents made sure that everything was set up so that I would never have to want or struggle in my life. But I made choices. I made decisions. I made things very, very, very hard for me. And when you look back at it, it's like the Bible, you know, that's I don't know how to say it, but when I started reading the Bible and started realizing that the people in the Bible were living stories like I was living, it mm-hmm. was easy for me to relate. That's why mm-hmm. I always say the pig pen moment, like when, when the prodigal son went and he asked for his birthright, he got his inheritance, and then he went out and he did everything that he was big and bad enough to do. And then one day he found himself in the, in the, in the pig pen, eating the slop with the with the pig and they were fighting over slops and he just realized I come from greatness. Yeah. I don't have to do this. <laughs> like I'm about to be nowhere near any of this. Like I don't even have to know. You. And that was like it like you know how they say the epiphany? That uh-huh. was my I had a pig pen moment like, oh wait a minute. It says <laughs> I will it says I will not be begging. Wait a minute. Like, you know what I mean? This says, hold up. It says, we live an abundant life. Oh, wait a minute. I'm the head, not the tail. You know, and, and I realized that one, if you don't know, you'll go with whatever it is that somebody else is
2: giving. Mm-hmm. That's
1: why I'm a big on letting kids know who they are, let them express themselves, and wanting them to know early who they are because that way, a lot of the things that we think would plague them, it wouldn't because they would never have any, con- they, it wouldn't be in their, in their vicinity. You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, what, drugs? Oh no, I, I'm a ball player. You, I don't do drugs, you, smoking. Oh, you can't smoke. You know, smoking is bad for you. And you just keep going. And it's not like the peer pressure of it because then you realize you've already separated, they've, they've already separated themselves from mess because they already have something in line of I know this is who I am. And I mean I like I said, my parents did it. They did. But they didn't they they that's all I knew when I was growing up. I didn't know any bad. So to me, you couldn't tell me that nothing was bad. You couldn't I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't that kid. Like you know I guess my parents thought you know it'd be better off not to know these things. It'd be better off to just know what you need to know, know who you need to know, and you stay over here and you'd be fine. And then one day I met somebody on the other side and I was trying to figure out well, what, well, what they do over there. Well, what they, would what they do? Wow, they look like they having fun over there. And then before you know it, I left everything that I knew and I was over there. And I think when he dropped me off at the church, that's when I had to realize this is over. I didn't even have anyone over there to like hang out with after the fact because all of my friends were his friends. And, you know, everything that I was doing was affiliated and associated with him, which then if you look back at it, it was all like in, if you could do light and dark, it was all in darkness. Everything over there was dark. That's why I am who I am today because I am the epitome of light and darkness because I was always there, but bless God for the fact that still to this day, if they knew me from over there, all they remember is that I always had light. I was always different. It was always something different about me. I was there, but it was always something different about A.
0: That's what they you said always that. brought the
1: light to the darkness. Exactly.
0: And that's what they knew you from. They didn't know you from the darkness because you was light. That went to the darkness, but you brought your light there into the darkness.
1: Man, misunderstood. But didn't know that I was carrying the light until once I figured it all out and was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm the light? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sitting around people, you know, learning different things. People saying, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I'm thinking, damn. I, w- I was a school teacher, but mm. then I got sick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it was like, mm, so what am I to do now? All right, why well, I ain't gotta do nothing now because I'm just sick. So what are you supposed to do with that? Like, God, what are you telling me in that? I'm just sick. And then I realized that's what I need to do. Be the best sick that somebody can see. And so that's what I tried to do. Try to be the light and darkness. I make crooked things straight. I tell make them all, I make crooked things straight. Like, if, if we have in a situation, let's figure out the situation. Let's talk about the situation because there's a reason why we're in this situation. If we mm-hmm. can get to the focus of why we're in the situation, guess what we won't do? We won't be in this situation anymore and we will alleviate this situation and we'll probably make friends in the process.
0: Mm. Facts. 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 So, And I just, I'm going to assume. So when you were talking earlier, first of all, let me rewind. Man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I did not know all of the story. Okay. And I'm sure I still don't know all of the story. That right there. I'm like, man. (laughs) So I'm going to assume that because you said also when you were unpacking a little bit about your mess about the relationship that you were in that you thought was the relationship is that the same relationship you're talking about with the the guy that dropped you off at the church
1: okay so it all ties together with that same relationship we don't went through we don't went through everything from the street to the jail to everything, getting out of jail, to trying to live life and everything to be dropped off at the church and say, this ain't working. You need to be here and you don't need to be here. You don't need to be with me. I done put all this years in, I done put all this work in, I done put all this time in and everything trying to make this look like it's supposed to be this grandiose thing. And it wasn't. And he dropped me off and let it be known. I'm leaving here and I know you would be fine but then I'm going back over here and you don't need to come over here so were you
0: did you meet this person You so you met this person before you got sick
1: oh yeah way before I got sick to got the point it. When he didn't even believe that I was sick like there, like I said there's, this, there's a certain person that wouldn't even allow me to be sick because mm-hmm. they knew they knew me in a, a certain way and mm-hmm. they would not let me live that. They would not, not let me live it down, which is a good thing, but it's not a good thing when I really am sick and I really can't show up for you the same way that I used to. You
2: and show you know, up. That's
1: right. I, I can't do it, you know, and mm-hmm. even if I wanted to, I'm physically, my body can't do it anymore. So it became different. And all of that played a toll. I believe, like, because we're still friends to this day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he even realized, okay, that might not have been the best way to do it, but that was the that was the best way to get me away from that side and over where mm-hmm. I needed to be, doing what God was calling me to do, like, right, as if, as if to say, stop playing with me, stop playing with yourself, stop playing with God, because. The the devil in me know you got to kid <laughs> he, he dropped me off he dropped me off love him today for it because he did he dropped me right off I'm gonna leave you right here like you just gonna leave me at the church though seriously like at the church? Yeah he was like this is where you belong I so can't. I
0: want to ask this question and I and, and we're gonna I'm gonna start wrapping up but I do want to know So with that, when, when he dropped you off today, you can say that you see the purpose behind the dropping you off in that moment. What were you, (laughs) what were you going through? Because, you know, we have in hindsight, we can see what it all was, was intended for, but in that moment, what 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 did you go through? How'd you feel?
1: Oh, I was fighting. I was fighting everything. I was fighting everything and everybody. I was mad. I was disappointed. I was let down. I felt lied to. You know what I mean? Like all of the all of the emotions that would go with just turmoil. You know, ready to fight at any given because what you say? Why you say that? Like you know what I mean? Like who? Like I became somebody different because. I was, I felt wrong and I blamed him. I blamed him for years. Like, I'm only like this because of you. You know what I mean? I'm not getting my life together because of you, because you left me and you should have did this and no. So for I wouldn't say for about a good four or five years, Mm -hmm. I did nothing but was just mad. I was mad at the world. I was just mad, disappointed. I, like, I didn't want to show up. And if I did show up, I didn't give a fuck. Excuse me. I didn't care how I showed up. It didn't even matter to me because at the end of the day, he don't want me. Nobody want me. You know what? I don't even want me. I'm here. Take me the way that I am. And I realized, like, that was the worst part of my life because I literally had to Realized that it wasn't even his fault. It was my fault. And that he used to always say, why you always, it's always what I did. It's always what I did. I did something to you. I hurt your feelings. I did this. I, I, I. And one day he was like, what did you do? What have you ever done? And I just sat there, because you don't know, you don't ever want nobody to ask you. What you do. <laughs> I do. I did. What you mean? You did it. But that was when I realized I gotta stop lying to myself. You know, one, I deserve better. Two, I am better. Mm. And the only way that I'm gonna do that is if I demand it from me, and then you wouldn't be able to come at me half-assed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I mm-hmm. know who I am, you can't come at me half-assed because you just not, it's not going to get far. It's not even going to, it's not going to play right because like, what'd you say? You know, and, but I want to say it took me about a good four or five years. Cause I, I really was, I was, I was in uh I was like in a blame thing. Like it was mm-hmm. his fault, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it was okay for me to be like that. It was the victim. Put it that way. I was the whole victim. Like, everyone that said anything to me, the reason why it didn't happen is because you did this and I couldn't do this. The reason why I didn't do it the right way is because you said this and then I did this. You know what I mean? And then I realized I'm a victim. I'm defeated. And I will never be able to show the light in that. Because I was covered with darkness myself. That's what I, you know, that's when I realized okay, I now know that no situation is too strong, no situation is too tough for me to not be able to shine light through on it and for it so that someone else can see it in a different light. Because we all Uh, go through things, but we mm -hmm. all go through, and I still go through things with my MS and everything on a daily basis. But what I also realized is that somebody could be watching. Me. And I'm not going through it. Like, you know, all of us always think that whatever we're going through is our thing. You know, oh, I'm going through this because this is me. Oh, well, you know, it's just hard being me. And it has nothing to do with you. Mm. It has nothing to do. It always had something to do with someone that was close to me that was watching me go through whatever it was I was going through. And that's when I realized Oh, God, you is vicious. Like, God is God is nothing to be played with, okay? It's straight up out the box. That's why, if, if you know anything about me, my tag say, God got goons. Why? Because <laughs> God is the only thing. God is the only, only take somebody that has nothing, nobody knows anything about them, give them everything that they need, give them the words to say, give them the doors to go into, say what they want to say, and the only reason why they said all of that to do, all of that was just so that somebody in the group could say, that was God. That is good. I'm sorry. I don't know nobody is doing it. I'm telling you, still to this day, I don't know anybody that could just come in and alter everything. Talk about change the instance, like, like that, like like that. That's God, and I'm one of His. I'm one of His favorites. So I I put it out there. I tell every I tell people any day of the week, whatever you are going through, understand that when you see God in it, then you start to understand why you're going, through. and then you're mm. able to wear it. And then once mm. you, once you understand why you're going through what you're going through, it becomes different. Your prayers become different because you kind of say, Well, you know, I thank you for that, God, because uh, you know, I actually helped two people in that, right? In all of them tears, you thinking you crying and stuff, but somebody else is watching you, just keep going.
0: Right. Right. You never know who you're impacting with what you're going through, but most importantly, how you handle what you're going through when they're watching you. Well misunderstood, Adrian, you have you've helped me <laughs> at the same time. I'm sure you've helped the listeners and the viewers. Is there anything I know I know that you have products, and I know that you're out there in other platforms. let Let the listeners know how can they they reach you, how can they hear from you more? What else do you have for them that, you know, they could stay in contact with you?
1: I will say that one for, since someone said that, you know, they don't do Facebook anymore. I guess we behind the mark, you know. <laughs> I still have a Facebook page. So if you are a Facebooker and just wanna Facebook, we can Facebook. I'm just simply Adrian Allen. That's with two N's, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E, Allen. You see me, I'm a little blonde-haired girl smiling at you. You know, it, it's real simple. I realize there's a lot of us, but I'm only, it's only one me. I'm the, I'm the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus that they lied to you about. That's what I tell people often. <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know who I was, you know. Pick <laughs> the one with the blonde hair, it's me. Um, if you're on TikTok, I'm misunderstood, Adrian. That's M-S, understood. So, of course, I have multiple sclerosis. So, it's Mm -hmm. M-S, understood, Adrian. That's TikTok and YouTube. Uh, I do have a company that is named IMA Industry, LLC. IMA Industry is actually in the process of building. The reason why I say that is because I started out and I was just like, you know, I'm gonna to go to different companies and I'm gonna to talk to them about customer loyalty. I just like to go in the industries where people feel welcome, right? So this is what I wanted to do. This is what IMA industry was all about. I think I started my company in January, 2000. So that mean by March, we was all shut down and nobody was going anywhere. And I was like, okay. So I want to go into jobs and people ain't even at work anymore. So what are we going to do? Got mm-hmm. me? So I am a industry has now been in the revert process. I am a industry is exactly what that is. I am a industry to tell you that you are the industry. You can do whatever it is that you put your mind to. You can, if you say it, you can believe it and you can do it. You can achieve it. And I want to help you do it. That is mm-hmm. who I am. That's where that's where we go. Am I the mentor? Am I the coach? No, but I want to tell you how you can do exactly what it is that you need to be doing because that is what you want to do. And I mm-hmm. want to help just give you the goals and the push to be able to get you to the next level. I do keynotes. Mm-hmm. I go and I speak to different people. Like if you have a group that you think that just needs to have a, a, a sparklet. Like someone told me the other day, you're like, you're like, you're like fire on gasoline, girl. And I'm thinking, well, as long as ain't nobody get (laughs) burned, some people need to get burned. You know what I mean? If I was there to light you up, then that's good. And that's what the lady said. She said, well, some of them needed to be burned. I Mm -hmm. said, well, amen to some of them needing to be burned because in the world that we live in today, we've gotten so complacent
0: in a Mm -hmm. lot of
1: the things that we do. I think what I am is just the shaker upper. You know, mm-hmm. knock, knock the, knock the dust off of you to say, you know what? I used to be like that. I could do that again. And, and that's it. And then what we then become are the examples that our children need to see. Because mm-hmm. right now our kids are messed up because we are, we aren't messed up. That's what our kids mm-hmm. are. Do you hmm. know what I mean? Like most of us have did our mess up, but now we're cleaned up. And because we're cleaned up, we don't talk about our mess up. So therefore we are cleaned up and our kids are messed up because they're trying to figure out, well, where is the common, like we don't have no community in between us. Like there's no common unity in between old and young. Like these looking at them like, damn, she don't even curse. You know, like I remember the day that I heard the the deaconess curse at church. It was like, well, she said shit. (laughs) And and, and it was like, and then my mom was looking like, she cusses like a sailor. I'm like, she does? Like you would never... (laughs) <laughs> like you and everything that she does but that is like that's who I am that's the epitome of bringing breaking divides there's mm-hmm. no such thing as you can't be in a room because you don't know them go in there and meet them that's who mm-hmm. I am so, let's go in there and meet them if, they th- if you don't think that they like you like racism to me I believe that racism doesn't even exist I just believe that you don't know me. Mm. I'm sorry, these black people that you think that you know, these are the people that they see on TV. These black people that you think that you know, these are the people that you see on the news. I'm this black girl that's standing in front of your face and you will know me. <laughs> After that, I don't think that you have a problem. Then you'll be able to say, I do have a black friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, and it's that simple. And it's vice versa. Vice versa, it's not just black and white, it's white and black. Everybody has this thing. If I don't know that part of it, I don't know anything about it and I don't want to know anything. That's right. And that's that's where right. we're failing. So that is who I am. I'm the person that's standing on the other side of the room and you want to get over there, but you don't know how to get over there. But then you see me. Come on over. Look, mm-hmm. come on over. That is who I am. I'm that light in darkness. Wherever Wherever you think that is not supposed to be, I'm right there. I'm known mm-hmm. to be on the bar store. You know, <laughs> real right. I have to tell people that because, you know, people people are alcoholics and stuff thinking that they're running from God. Do you think we're not coming in a bar to come get you? Oh, mm. no. We show up. We go to bars. We go to strip clubs. We go everywhere and anywhere that there is darkness because wherever there is darkness, there is light that is needed to be shown. Mm. That is why. Right. Mm-hmm that is right. So, if you if you can't get me any other kind of way, I, look, I only for only for your people. You can text me 267-588-7862. But when you text me, you got to text hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. <laughs> you know what's up? You, hey girl, just need something and we right on. You. That's who I okay. am. I'm that friend. I'm like, I'm the light and darkness, that friend when you don't have anybody else to talk to, or if you about to smack that chick in her face, text my phone. Hey, girl! That way we can handle it before you do it. Right. Because you can't be doing it. Even if you want to kill someone, I am your girl. Call me before you want to kill them, because we can kill them three, four different ways, and you never have to touch I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
2: Hey,
0: hey, hey, hey! you need we that do. help. Take if you need that help. Hey, girl.
1: Hey, girl. <laughs> Holla at the girl, cause I'm. T- when when people realize that where's a place that you can actually process your feelings, yep. the world would be in a better place because half of people funny. are reacting to what's going on, and that's because they don't have any place to process their feelings. Yeah. That's right. Misunderstood agent. What about uh, you? Ha- you said you're an author. Oh, child. We listen, surviving tough times on your March gets set go. This is my book, y'all. We are redoing this book. Why are we redoing this book? Because I realize one, half the people in the world ain't going to read the book. Let's be honest. Gotta be honest now, cause half the people didn't read the first book, you know. So they like, oh yeah, girl, I got your book. Never opened it. Never opened it. Like I had a hundred dollars sitting in the beginning of the book, and ain't nobody called me and say thank you for my hundred dollars, cause they never opened it. Hmm. So what are we doing with surviving tough times on your march? Get set go. You will see it because when you see something says on your march, get set go, that's the call. The call is for everyone. That is a 30-day journey with you and God, just so that you can recenter, recalibrate, and understand why you are the way that you are. Your good days, your bad days, everything that happens to you makes you who you are. When you can start to understand that, then you appreciate the next man because then you'll say, you know what? They are exactly who they're supposed to be. They're in the exact place where they're supposed to be. And then we can work together. Because that's the thing. Mm. we got to come together. How am I going to come together with my thoughts and your thoughts? And you ain't never wrote your thoughts down. Mm. They're not your thoughts. Mm. They're my thoughts now. I've now given you my thoughts. And now my thoughts have become your thoughts. And then when we're in the process of doing it, sooner or later, you're going to feel some type of way. Because they're not really your thoughts. Mm. That's what surviving tough times is about. Putting okay. you in the same aspect of everybody else. But giving you your time to understand who you are and why God made you the way that you are. Then you show up at the table, right? Hmm. Use you. Look, no, we can use you then. Until then, we can't really use you. So to
0: summarize this message, mm-hmm. you, I'm just gonna start with you. You were part of the entertainment exotic entertainment industry. You got sick, you had MS. You went through a relationship that turned out not to be the best relationship for you. You you overcame all those situations. You are now an author, CEO of your own company, doing motivational, professional speaking, helping others to overcome their situations. What would be one of the last things you would tell the listeners today, what they can do so that they can overcome and they can get through the mess that they may be going through
1: today? Tell the truth. When you you look in the mirror, tell the truth or listen to your reflection. Tell the truth. And listen to your reflection. That's the only thing you need to do. Because once you start to tell the truth, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's happy or sad, is you. And as long as you can understand that it's you, you still got a shot. Tell the truth. As long as you're lying, you don't be able to see the truth. So therefore, each day goes by, and then you have nothing to stand on but a lie. You don't want to be that person because before you know it, you'll have years and years and years of nothing but lies. And then when you look in the mirror, you don't even know who you are. So tell the truth. If you're messed up, tell the truth. It's okay to be messed up. Like we're not always going to be great, but we are going to be who we are. God has allowed every one of us to be exactly who we are be exactly where we need to be because we don't stay there. But the sooner you realize that that is where you are, then it's easier for God to step in your life and do something different. So if I was to say anything about your mess, tell the truth. Don't cover it up. And if you need help, reach out and grab it because it is there.
0: Well, I want to thank you, Misunderstood Adrian, And As we end towards the day, like I always like to say, if you want to stay sad, live in the past. If you want to stay worried and anxious, think about the future. If you want to be happy, live in the present day and be grateful for the things that you have. This is Tracy D. Armstrong with your What's Your Mess. Have a good day, y'all.